Welcome to Backstory Podcast from the Toronto Real Asian International Film Festival. I'm Aaron Collier. And I'm Kelly Loy. And we have Jennifer Sue producing today. Hello. And we have a great show lined up because we are celebrating and remembering 10 years or 10 editions of Unsung Voices, which is Real Asian's filmmaking program. So Kelly and Jen, do you remember your first film? Tell me a little bit about your first film. I guess I'll go first. I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan, and my first film was uh, just my friends and I uh, reenacting Lord of the Rings, and <laughs> I would just uh, I would be the one behind the camera. I do not act. So oh, I'm you weren't. The camera. No, you weren't a Hobbit or anything. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, oh no! Oh no! Oh no! And how uh, old were you then? <laughs> I was. 22. (laughs) (laughs) So not very long ago, or actually quite long ago. (laughs) But um, no, I, 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 yeah, I guess that was kind of my entry point into film was uh, taking videos of my friends pretending to be Smeagol. So, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Uh, Jen, I don't think we can top that. But how about you? What was your first film? Um, I guess my first film was like a grade 12 chemistry project on superglue and it was called Dr. Wooly and Friends and uh, <laughs> they were sock puppets. Dr. Wooly was teaching the other sock puppet characters all about the uses of superglue and uh, yeah that's iMovie it can do a lot it's it's this is not in my portfolio though so. <laughs> <laughs> well, usually first films are not on the CV, and it's always something that people are a little bit, you know, sheepish to talk about or a little bit hesitant to talk about. You know, we feel a certain way about them, and and it's also like, well, when do you want to count your first your first film, right, or your first feature? And obviously, uh, you know, in the film festival world, it's like, oh, whichever one is the one you want to show to people, right? <laughs> and, and then you know, the other one is you know, the other films are maybe the ones that you did at home or something like that. So like, I think my dad had one of those old video cameras that you could record on like a VHS tape. So I did something with like action figures back then. And then did some like, like many of us did a fake kung fu movie in high school called three teaspoons of soy sauce and a dream. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I, I would call that my first film. But we are here to talk about Unsung Voices, which is Real Asians filmmaking program, uh, ostensibly for first time filmmakers and um, and kind of, you know, about emerging filmmakers, because that line of what is your first film is a little bit kind of muddy. So before we bring the guests on, I wanted to talk about this program because seeing it through 10 versions or 10 years now, you can really see the trajectory of it. And So just to think about when it started, it was around 2011. And at the time, I was the industry programmer for Real Asian, which included educational initiatives. And, you know, a lot of educational outreach consisted of like inviting schools to come to the festival for a couple days in November, bringing films and filmmakers to uh, mostly high schools, sometimes middle schools. And then so there was interest in offering more educational opportunities. And so Sonia Sakamoto-Jag, who was the executive director of Real Asian at the time, knew that I had some experience in running these kinds of workshops, which I did in San Francisco at the Vietnamese Youth Development Center uh, under Spencer Nakasako. There was a media lab that did a lot of great work in the 90s. And that was actually a program that I went through as as a 16-year-old. So 
it was really about like giving youth access to equipment, which, you know, back then was a lot harder. And likewise, I think for Unsung Voices, you know, it was about taking Asian Canadian youth uh, with no experience, and then we would train them and help them make their first film, kind of like, quote unquote, like nose to tail from ideation, script writing, shooting, editing. And then always on the first day of, of the session, I would tell people it's not over and you're not done until you show it to a room full of people you don't know. And at the time around 2011, Tony, Tony Lau and I, we had recently finished our MFAs at York University. And Tony was already doing lots of teaching at University of Windsor and was really great at instruction, working with young people. So we worked together to design the first program. And the first program in 2012, Tony ran with Arthur Young. You know, originally it was meant for youth aged 16 to 24. And, you know, we think about 10 years ago, the technological landscape was pretty different from now. And so it was really exciting to give youth an opportunity to kind of, quote unquote, get their hands dirty with gear. And I know that was a really long history and sorry about that. And everybody that we're going to talk to today has history with Unsung Voices as a participant, as an instructor, except for Kelly. But Kelly, you even have a, a little bit of history with Unsung Voices, too. Yeah, actually, Unsung Voices was my first entry point to Real Asian. After, you know, making many Lord of the Ring reenactment videos, I thought it was time to actually <laughs> see if I could pursue filmmaking. And when I was looking up free programs or like just like accessible programs in the city, that's how I came across Real Asian and, and knew that they had uh, offered this really exciting and amazing program. The only caveat was I was 25 at that time, so <laughs> I tried to... Um, email and ask if I could uh, still apply that for that summer. Um, but unfortunately, um, I could not because I was too old. And yeah. And then I guess like two years later, I just found myself back at Real Asian. I had never attended the festival. I only wanted to be there for Unsung Voices. <laughs> Didn't happen. And somehow still got roped in. So Well, Unsung Voices touched you in this way and brought you to Real Asian too. So maybe this is a good time to bring in our guests and, and maybe we can we can go around uh, the group and you can say your name, your full name, and what year you joined Unsung Voices and uh, what role you were in. So, so Tony, maybe we can start with you and then we can go. Yeah, we can start with Tony. And then you call out the next person, Tony. All right. Thank you for the invitation. This is amazing. Um, my name is Tony Lau. So I started in 2011, working with the program with Aram, and uh, it's been fun since then. And on and off, I would be participating in the program. I believe I did join back at 2016 or 17. I forgot which year is it, but uh, make some good films. And it's always fun times when, uh, especially in the summer, when, uh, you know, when I'm off in the semester at the U, and this is the time to work with the young filmmakers again and get inspired for the following year, school year. All right, next I'm going to introduce is Amar. Hi, uh, my name is Amar Kishodia. I did the Unsung program in 2015. And, you know, Aram and Tony were running things then. And then the year after that, I actually ran the program. And then, you know, I've come back in future years as well as sort of a mentor um instructor as well so yeah a lot of history with unsung and real asian next up uh how about althea hi my name is althea balmas i was 
in the first iteration of Unsung Voices also got roped in with Real Asian after that. <laughs> um, no regrets, though. <laughs> and so I will leave it to Ange. Hi there. Um, I'm Ange Guo. So I was born and raised in Montreal, and I participated in Unsung Voices in 2020. So that was the memorable pandemic year. I mean, it's not really over. But I actually heard about Unsung Voices like the year before, but I was actually too young. I was like 17, but I um, looked it up and I was like, hey, I really want to do this. So when I turn 18 next year, I'm definitely going to apply. And that's what I did, except it was online, but it was still really, really fun. So yeah, uh, I think I'll call out Jen. Hi, my name is Jennifer Sue, and I was a participant in 2016. Uh, and then I got to come back last year to help run the first sort of virtual edition that we had and also uh, for this year as well. So I've been really lucky to be on sort of both sides of, of the program in that way. All right. Well, thanks everybody for being here. If you've listened to the show before, this is usually what we ask people at the end, but we're moving it up to the beginning. So Kelly, do you want to ask this very contentious question? <laughs> Yep, this is going to set the tone for the rest of the show, and <laughs> you'll know why very soon. Um, you all can only choose one. There's no no alternative to that. Just only can go with one. Just go with your heart, and you'll know which one is the right one. But you must pick your favorite carb, and that carb is either rice, noodles, bread, or potatoes. I may have to uh, argue with Aram at some point about the ordering. <laughs> let let people answer first. It's easy. It's bread. It's bread. Come on, guys. We had I, I had an argument with this about my friends. Very, very deep argument where one of our one of our friends said um, I would get rid of bread. You know, if you can only keep one, if you can only keep three and get rid of one. And we're like, what are you talking about? Like, do you know how much stuff? Like, that's saying goodbye to naan. Like you would do that? Where do you think non comes from? Noodles? Like what do you, Where do you think it comes so, from? Yeah. I think if I had to pick one, it would be bread. Mm. Okay. Okay. I do love non though. But I'm gonna go with rice. Do you guys know how versatile rice is? <laughs> you can literally turn it into noodles. Or That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Yes, but that would be a noodle. So no. 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 I feel like this is such an unfair question. But anyways, I can see why this creates tension in the team. Constructed to divide, yes. Anj, I think we've heard your your, your answer before, but I don't remember, so... I would definitely go with noodles. I don't know what you guys are talking about. You can have all sorts of noodles. It also includes pasta, and, like, you can have thick ones, and, you know, glass noodles, cold noodles, you know, everything, so... That's my take on it. And I see that Kelly agrees. So thank you, Kelly. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay, Tony, bring it home. Bring it home. Let's go. It, well, it has to be rice, especially yes. steamed rice. Yes. You know, I, I, if I have to travel anywhere around the world, I'll bring my rice cooker. It's the only <laughs> thing I could bring. <laughs> so, and well, a bag of rice. <laughs> instant noodles are pretty convenient <laughs> to yeah. bring them up. Very unhealthy. Uh, and... and <laughs> And, and Jen? I think the last time I was asked this question, it was like a pick three out of four. But now that I only have to pick yeah. one at the you moment. Yeah, at the moment, I'm feeling rice. I feel like rice can like soak up soup and sauces and can be fried. 
Noodles yeah. can be too. <laughs> I do all those things. <laughs> Kelly says very meekly. They're just the way that rice absorbs sauce is different from the way bread absorbs sauce. So that's how I'll justify my, my choice. Well, you know, Amar, I think it's good that you brought up naan because I think a lot of people, when we ask, they immediately go to like a loaf of bread. But, you know, mm-hmm. um, but you're right. Like there's naan, there's tortillas, the bread, there's, yes. there's all kinds yes. of, you know, heated dough and water. So, um, mm-hmm. but, uh, Okay, well, thank you, everybody. Uh, and this this episode of Backstory Podcast. Uh, good night. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I, I wanted to start with Tony just to go and expand a little bit on some of the things you said. And, and just even like, you know, not to sit around and talk like old people, but if we think about 10 years ago, the media landscape was very different and the tools that we were working with. And I think it was also kind of an early stage in your teaching career as well, which you've been teaching constantly since then. So what was interesting to you about this summer program? So I think what interests me the most was the content that can come out from the filmmaker. How in a short time, they could literally six weeks, they have to write, you know, make the production and then post-production. It was a really short amount of time. And I remember the first year we had it was about, say, say eight weeks, but it turned out to be like until November, right? It was a bit of summer until November. And I was so interested in, and fascinated to actually help on each production. So I remember some of the days were like, you know, 12 hours, 15 hours a day. And I still remember when out there, actually, Suman Lady, I still remember the name of the film. And it was, she brought me to the neighborhood of where she wanted to film. And it was amazing. I, that was the first year I moved from Windsor. And, oh, not first year, but like third year I moved to Windsor. From Windsor to Toronto. And I'd never seen some of those areas in Toronto until I meet all this uh, student from Unsung Voices and I get to explore Toronto. It used to be just North York and York University campus. That's it. And you know, from some voices, I get to meet a lot of friends. And now they are, you know, some of them very successful in either in the film industry or, you know, whatever they pursue in their career. But I think some voices, whatever they made, is always going to be in their heart. So which is the best part of the program. Althea, what was your film about? And, and also, what was the neighborhood that you took Tony to and the rest of the crew? My film was called Suman Ladies. And it was a story about this woman who would illegally sell um, sticky rice dessert in the streets of Toronto. It was based on like this real life experience or interaction that I had going to like the subway and having this woman come up to me and be like hey are you Filipino (laughs) do you want Suman and I was like wow I had no idea that this is something that would actually happen to me Um, and just like the idea of this person who was doing something low-key illegal (laughs) was a really interesting starting point for me to kind of talk about Filipino community and the stories so the place that I brought Tony to and the crew that I had was basically the heart of Filipino community, which is uh, Bathurst and Wilson. So we call that like Little Manila or, you know, Little Philippines. And it's really like a place where you would see a lot of uh, mom and pop shops of like Filipino businesses. And both for Tony and Althea, what was what was that first year like? I mean... I remember is very new, but um, what was it like for you to to be doing it? Tony, <laughs> you can start. 
It's a tough one. Uh, if I recall, uh, every film was really good. <laughs> I don't remember. Actually, um, I think it was a testing because me and Aram actually work back to back every single day after the shoot or after the class to trying to figure it out what is the best way to shape all this story because they have all this filmmaker they they either they never made a film before but they have amazing idea or they have some sort of experience but we have to help them to be able to make this story to be presentable on the big screen so i remember me and Aaron will be going back to back with their script i i recall also natalie was in that year was it natalie yeah like so yeah, so she was really helpful to give notes um, to the young filmmakers for their first film. And from that point, I seen how, you know, I, I think um, how important the program was. And me and Aaron was like, well, let's work on the next year, the following year. You know, that's basically how we seeing all those films at the end, all six films, I, recall, I think that's six films. It was successfully screened in the film festival, and the feedback was really positive. Althea, I remember your film was really cool because you know it was something that you hadn't made you know too many films before, but it was like this really interesting documentary and fiction hybrid. And um, and I mean, what were some of the things that you were trying to experiment with? Well, I had zero skills in filmmaking, so everything was like super cool. And I feel like the cool thing that I, I was able to do was to have that, that experience of camaraderie with with a team. And that's why I thought it was like, everybody was so professional, like Tony, Arthur, and our mentors, they were really good at directing us. So it felt like they, they've done it already, like real Asian have done this before. Um, but I, what I really appreciated was having that teamwork to make all these individual stories happen. Like it came from nothing, and then all of a sudden, we're we're literally making it happen. So that was like a that was amazing. You know, it was a it was a big learning curve, I think, because even though you said Relation had done it before, we hadn't done it before. <laughs> um, and you know, we we lean on Charles Street Video a lot for their support and. I remember there was an overnight shoot, which I think probably really amped up that sense of camaraderie when you have an overnight shoot. Um, and I and one of the things was, you know, we were always trying to not only improve people's skills, but also, you know, think about at the end of the year, what were some things that we could do for the next year? So we had some older tech that first year and older cameras. And like, I remember Tony was like, oh. It's it's too dark for that camera. We have to go get new cameras next year, uh, which we didn't buy, but you know we we borrowed, of course. But so maybe we can um, kind of transition to the middle years, which is when uh, Amar. That's when you were in it in 2015, and then Jen, you were in the following year in 2016. And at that point, we, I guess, we maybe had a little bit more momentum and a sense of what we were doing in terms of the program design. So Amar, we can start with you. What was it like stepping into this program? And, and also tell us what your film was about too. My film was called Ayano in the Forest. And it was about this woman who kind of wakes up in this forest and she doesn't know where she is. She doesn't know uh, why she's there. And you quickly realize that um, it's kind of a dream 
And every time she turns around, she's back in her apartment. So she keeps turning back and forth, going back between the forest and her apartment. I kind of built it to play with that visual experiment, with that match cutting, right? Um, And kind of built like a flimsy story around that, to be quite honest. (laughs) But um, it it was interesting because it's a great process, just the, the way the program is structured and the fact that everyone gets to crew on each other's films and the fact that you do have these mentors coming in and, you know, they're, they're like really legit people like Albert who, you know, talk Albert about their Chin. films and yep. their work. And yeah, Albert Shin. And, and so that teaches you a lot. But I think one of the things that kind of stuck with me about the program as well, and I kind of had trouble remembering this specifically, and I realized it was because I, I had kind of blocked out the stressful memories. But the, the program is like actually a really good way to teach you how to deal with the stresses of filmmaking. And, you know, with my film specifically, I had found this trail in High Park and I thought that that might be a good place to shoot Um, for some reason. You know, High Park is a pretty popular place, but if you go at the right time of day, there's not too many people on the trails and stuff like that. So I thought, okay, this would be a good place to shoot. So when we got to the shoot day, uh, one of my actors was late uh, because he had to deal with some work emergency right so we were starting much later than we had planned and then by the time we got everything set up and ready to shoot um we started hearing um the sounds of kids playing nearby and we realized that there was a kid's playground or a kid's school or something somewhere nearby you couldn't see it because we were kind of deep in the trail but you could hear all these kids laughing and playing around and this is supposed to be kind of a dark silent you know moment in the film so um we we tried shooting around that and then but then on top of that like every three minutes planes would fly overhead taken off from pearson um so we kind of struggled through that and and tony was there as well i remember and eventually i sort of just said let's call it a day you know i'll go scout some other places i've learned my lesson and i'll need another half day somewhere to shoot this scene um, but eventually, I don't remember exactly where, but, but I found sort of a forest in Scarborough, a park. And uh, when we got there on the shoot day, it turned out to be the one day where they were mowing the park lawn. <laughs> you know, so it was like a comedy of errors at this point. But um, we, we managed to work around it and we, and we managed to get it and, and the location was nice and everything. So it worked out. But, you know, that was one of the things that stuck with me. And even though I, I, I had genuinely forgotten that memory until... I was thinking about my unsung year today, but that anxiety about audio has stuck with me to this day. You know, to this day, I'll be on a film set. I'm like, are, are we getting the audio? Is the audio okay? Are we hearing the cards outside? Are we good? You know, so so that kind of stuff sticks with you. And it, and it is, it does teach you very valuable lessons, not just in that respect, but also in your roles on everyone else's films as well and working with each other in different capacities and what that means and what that entails. So. So you went on to really take those lessons and you were a coordinator for the next year, which Jen, you were in that cohort in 2016. So what drew you to the program and, and what was your you know big experiences that you had in the program? Um, I remember when I saw the call out from some voices, I think they had extended the deadline at that point and I had just come back from Vietnam, from visiting my grandma. And I was like, I don't know what to do with the rest of my summer. I can't really just like get a summer job for two months. So I was like, why not sign up for this filmmaking program? Um, And I'd always been interested in photography. So it just seemed kind of natural, like, oh, maybe I'll I'll try this sort of 
video production program for youth. And I think I've, I've told you this, Aaron, before at the time, it felt very sort of like a summer camp kind of thing. Like, you know, just come make this film. And the really cool thing about it is that it's going to show at this festival, which is really exciting, but also, you know, really pushes you to finish your film when you're like in those final stages. Like, you know, it's, it's got to show, something's got to show. Um, so my film, I wanted to sort of do something related to like magical realism at the time. But I think I was like most impacted by my recent visit to Vietnam to see my grandma. And it ended up being more, it ended up being a science experiment because that way I wouldn't have to sort of scout for more difficult locations. I think originally I wanted to have like a conversation in a restaurant and that's like already very hard to do if you have like an actual production budget. Um, so I turned it into like a science experiment. And so I was able to film like at a university ready space and then sort of decided to challenge myself with writing more dialogue and writing a conversation that was like inspired by just like the thoughts I was having around, um, you know, taking care of my grandma who had Alzheimer's and sort of the debates that were happening in my family about, you know, belief in the afterlife and things like that. But yeah, just echoing what Amar said, the really great thing about the program in that format where you rotate with everyone's roles is you learn like how important every role is on a film set. Like everyone plays a really important part. And when you are in that position, you start to understand like what everyone's sort of stressor is. Like everyone's all fighting for time or fighting to have their needs prioritized and you learn how to appreciate the teamwork that's involved. Um, not just on set, but even after, like having people to help you out with finishing. Like, I guess that's what I kind of see now in the coordinator role. Like, there's a lot of cheerleading that's involved. There's a lot of, you know, doing whatever you can to help someone finish because you want people to be able to, like, tell the stories they came into the program wanting to tell. You mentioned that you were a coordinator, and maybe this is indicative of the way I do things, but, um, or we as an organization sometimes do things is that, you know, we're, we're always game for an experiment. And, you know, as Anj, you mentioned, uh, you were in the program in 2020, which was the first time we did it online. And we did have conversations early-ish in the shutdown and pandemic shutdown about whether we would even have the program. Would we be able to do it online? How would we do it? Like we had never done something remotely. I mean, one of the things that we would always do is that, Oh yeah, everybody's supposed to come in and touch cameras and work with each other and work on each other's films. And, you know, I, I think that, um, and then we also considered, oh, well, this is a, a, an experiment and, and we can see, and maybe there can be some positive things that would come out of this. And, and I don't, I mean, well, to, I, in terms of how I feel about it, I, I, I'm really glad that you did apply for it. And, and because we were able to reach not only you in, in Quebec, but um, Marianne and Aiden, who were also in Quebec and BC, respectively. But I think, you know, I'm wondering, like, you know, hearing people talk about the, the kind of group dynamic, how, how was the group dynamic a little bit different for you, Anj? Yeah, I was actually thinking about this while everybody else was, you know, talking about those set days and, you know, running around and stuff like that. And I think we talked about this as well during the program. I think we were, like, really lucky. Like, we had, like, it was such a great cohort. Um, and even though we weren't working directly, like, with each other physically, like, 
I've still never met any of them in person or any of you for that matter in person I think we were still very much able to like foster that sense of like community even through zoom I guess we were also all going through like this collective experience of the pandemic and so it was just so great to have like these dedicated sessions every week where it's like you know we work together we have these discussions and ideas together and everybody's here to support each other and so in that time of such like uncertainty to have this sort of like little circle where um, we can not only you know brainstorm and you know create together but we can also ask questions like do you prefer rice or noodles and you know like mess around after you know all the like learning and class stuff is uh is done so um the experience was definitely different but i i still feel like uh, we were very much connected yeah and actually rather than being divisive we would often talk about the the fruits that we liked because uh harris uh, our other coordinator he, he would talk about mangoes a lot and so we talk about fruit but um but just to go back to jen i mean you know you were a participant in the program and then you were coordinator for Anja's year and this in this last year uh, in 2021 i mean um, how do you see that difference and how did you kind of reconcile that difference and very different experience in some ways? Yeah, I think we tried our best to create that sort of sense of camaraderie during the workshops and have everyone be able to update each other and just sort of bond over things like like fruit. It is a very different experience, but it was really interesting in that everyone had such different sort of production workflows or sort of styles of filmmaking. And so you kind of get a glimpse of that even just through sharing and, you know, online meetings, what the animation process might look like compared to making a documentary. So I'm really glad that everyone, you know, had a great experience despite it not being in person. But yeah, the other really cool thing was having people from across the country and that the program's able to connect more people that way. And the films were really unique as well last year. Like, you know, that that, that was kind of the surprising and wonderful thing about it as well. Yeah, we had the sort of limitation of the pandemic and trying to theme it around that of interiors and now this year it's proximity. So I mean, Anj, to go back to you, can you describe what your film is about? And it was pretty landmark for us. It was the first time we had French Canadian participation in the program, too. So maybe you can talk about your experience of shooting it as well. I mean, I, I was very upfront about it being like super personal from the start. I don't even know how to summarize it anymore. Like, I think it just circled a lot about just like the theme of womanhood and like becoming a woman in, in the context of relationships, romantic relationships, and also in the context of just like growing into your body and just like, I guess, becoming your own individual sounds very vague but in my head it makes sense i think what this experience brought me kind of like outside of like the film field itself was just so much confidence in the sense that you know you have to take on this leadership role and on top of that you know we were uh, doing this remotely so i didn't have like hands-on you know support in, in that sense so it was really up to me to like direct and organize the whole production and the directing and like actually being there and like telling people what to do and you know of course just being afforded that opportunity right of like oh there's like these you know people who like believe in me enough to think that I can like make a film and then you know enough so that they'll also show it at like this really awesome festival and like people you've never met yeah too. people <laughs> I've never met and it's like in another city which is like super exotic right for like a French Canadian girl from the suburb of Montreal but yeah like it was really like one of my first uh, experiences of like really being afforded this leadership role so when I think about it it's like 
I think so much of the confidence that I have today was kind of really pushed forward in that process of Unsung Voices. Something that Ange brought up about, uh, you know, having your film seen by people you don't know in maybe a new location. I was kind of curious to hear from everyone what it was like for your film to be seen on a big screen. It was definitely a big motivation not to fuck up. (laughs) Um, Especially when you have all these professionals like watching it and probably critiquing it and judging it. Like I come from like zero filmmaking skills or background. And yeah, it was just like a good motivation to really put your best foot forward. And like what Anj said about that confidence building and like learning all these life skills on how to really show up for yourself. And also for the team that you're you're with. And then for me, my story was about my community. So really honoring those stories um, and making sure that the way that I tell it is like respectful, but also honest. Yeah, <laughs> that's all I can say about being part of a like an international festival that's pretty well known is like, yeah, you better do a good job, you know? <laughs> well, I have a follow up for Althea too, because I don't know if you remember, but you had your film as part of the school tours. And so you would also show your film to a different kind of audience, which, you know, we had some middle schools and some high schools. So do you remember what that that experience was like? Yeah, I do. I remember a lot of (laughs) quiet faces. (laughs) Because just like working with teenagers, you know, like, you know, there's things going, going on in their head, but they're not quite saying it. So part of the skill also that I learned is going deep into this idea of what does it mean to be a storyteller and not just through film, but also as you present things orally. And before this, I was like a very shy kid. (laughs) And then you kind of just like learn how to really say things from a good place and and like not be afraid to to speak your truth in a way or to, to speak your experiences and that lesson has really affected the way that I approach art making and the way that I present things through community when I do workshops with comics and stuff like that. Yeah I really like what you mentioned um, Althea about just thinking about the process not even about like making the film but the process of also presenting the work as well and like all that kind of goes into it being still like a I guess, like a living project in some way. I I was kind of also curious to hear maybe Amar, knowing the challenges that you went through to make the film, what was it like to finally see on the big screen? Were you cringing while you were watching? Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, and I remember like it was at the AGO and I remember like sitting in the cafe with Aram before the screening and him giving me like this talk about like, listen, whatever your feelings are about the thing, you you just kind of have to accept it and show it. And I was kind of ambivalent about it, but I remember sitting in my seat with a knot in my throat, which was kind of surprising. It was surprising how uh, nervous I was, it, even though I didn't necessarily put that expectation on myself of, oh, this has to be really good, or this is like a big representation of who I am as a filmmaker or an artist or whatever. But um, yeah, I, I kind of, I hadn't even told my friends about it. But they found out and they all showed up, you know, and it was kind of one of those things where your your friends uh, support you even when you don't think you deserve it. And it kind of made me appreciate 
my friends uh, in a different way. The fact that they showed up to that screening and they were so kind of nice about it. Um, and, you know, I, I also have to shout out Jesse Lau, our mutual friend, because she was the one that told me about the Unsung program and, you know, told me to apply. And she's, she's very proud of the fact that she gave me that tip and the trajectory that it kind of put me on. Um, so, so, so I have to shout her out. That's a great story. Okay, now I have to ask Tony and Aram. I know you both <laughs> didn't have to make a film in the program, but you've made all these films happen. What was it like for you both to see their films on the big screen? I, I think the program is no joke, you know? And I think that when we start, people don't necessarily know what it takes, right? And how would you? So that's okay that you don't, right? It's not just the pro way that the program is designed or it's not like, oh, Tony and I, you know, drive people really hard. It's like, no, that's what the that's what your project that you made demand of you, you know? So I think that when you see it going through that entire process, and it's very important that for us, I think, especially in those early years, to establish that you are going to make this and you are going to finish and you're going to support those around you. And, and so when you see everybody in all the films, whether it's digital or in person, when you see them all together and they're done and you see the development, you see the relationships between people, it's better than what the films are themselves, you know? And we talk about this on the programming team, Kelly and I, about, you know, films have a story beyond the story in the film. And I think that's really, really, really true for, for the Unsung Voices films and filmmakers. It's um, sure, we can look at that, that video objectively as what it is. Um, and that's what we do as audiences. But as somebody who participates in the program, you know, seeing the development of those stories and the people that's it's always like uh really rewarding and also like super not super relieving because it's like and, and it's not stressful for us either <laughs> i mean it's like we're happy it's over uh but you know as long as as long as the screening goes you know smoothly like we're good right <laughs> like um, and, and it's nice to not have that stress because like tony you know like when we show our own films it's like uh, 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 sweating 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 and you know you just and it's the same thing that you all said it's just like you hope that other people like it and and you hope you didn't fuck up you know in, in general i think like what aram said you know the film for unsung is mostly for the first time they're actually making films and compared to my own first film, I think they're like amazing, right? So, so I think to the point that is this program is needed and it is really helpful for people who want to chase their dream. And and it might be, it might be a film that the first film that you made or maybe the last one ever, and you don't want to make films anymore. And you need to know because if you don't try it. And that's what Aaron wanted at the beginning, asked me, do you want to teach this program? And I was like, well, that's basically is needed because when I grew up, I never get a chance to even make my first film, like what at the same level, at the same level of what Unsung Voices um, could provide. And I still would chase my dream. And, you know, I, I think if with that push, with what Real Asian is actually supporting, the filmmaker would have a much better platform to show their first film. 
And I think that is the most rewarding thing in ensemble voices. Just to go off of what Tony said, I think, you know, one of the stories that always has stuck with me was Mike, who was kind of a wild card part of the cohort where, um, you know, he came to us during the interview and he didn't really have like a, a clear concept about what he wanted to make, but his passion was so clear and he was... Um, obsessed with Wong Kar Wai you know we, we all are but he was like another level of <laughs> obsessed with Wong Kar Wai and it, it was so kind of amazing to, to to hear him that we were like let's let's bring him on and and let's just see if we can help him make something and it'll be a bit of an experiment and he wasn't always great at articulating what he wanted in artistic terms and to be honest like working with Mike on his was a very frustrating process right it was like trying to understand okay what exactly do you want to make and, and, and let's try and put this in concrete terms so that we can have a shot list so that we can prepare as much as possible for what you want right and then when we got on set and I started watching him work the way that he would sort of move the camera the way that he would instruct everyone else on the crew how to position things how the actor should move what the rhythm should be it was a completely different process than anyone else you know and it, and it was amazing to see that and it made me really happy that we got to give him the opportunity to experience that you know and and it kind of taught me a little bit too about you know the process i was trying to put him through was frustrating to me but that process is very different for everyone and the fact that when he got on set, he was so different about how he wanted to shoot this thing um, and how he was communicating with everyone on the team was super, super interesting to see. I love that you brought up the idea of the wild card because I think that's something we did in the early years. And it's awesome that we never even, I don't know that you and I ever talked about that, but that you kind of continued that. And, and Jen, as you know, we've talked about it too in more recent years is that you know, it's always great if we can have a wild card and you don't know what the person is going to make. They think differently. And it's kind of like what Tony said in the beginning is that when you're working with people at this stage, uh, you know, everything's possible, you know, and that's so exciting to see that development in somebody in a short amount of time. And in addition to the creative process. So, so yeah, I mean, wild cards are, are awesome. And, and also, you know, I have to give a shout out to, you know, Spencer Nakasaku who ran the program that I went through that was very similar to this because that was always his philosophy too. Like totally, like it's not about like making the future filmmakers. It's about like people's growth and, and how they can change and, and that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I Wild cards, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was great. yeah. I I'll have to say, like the hardest part about coordinating the program in these most recent years is that we got so many applications, and I feel so bad turning everyone down. Like getting rejected, getting turned down does not mean that you shouldn't be making the idea that you proposed. And I love reading people's ideas, and you often get people who are just like, "I've never tried filmmaking before. This sounded kind of cool. I've had this idea in my head." I don't really know what, well, where else to bring it? What else to do with it, right? And I honestly think everyone should have to make a short film once in their life as a sort of just like life learning experience because I feel like a lot of people are just curious about what that's like. And it teaches you a lot about like, I mean, everyone's mentioned it before, like leadership and teamwork and believing in yourself. And you don't have to 
continue making films and become a filmmaker, but I feel like doing it once is a really great experience. And that's what's great about Unsung Voices is that it's all about just, you're going to make this one thing and then who knows, maybe you'll continue to be a filmmaker. You'll do something else with your life, but you got that chance to be a filmmaker for one night and show it on the big screen and, you know, participate in the Q and A and everyone treats you like you're an actual filmmaker because you are. I love that. And I'm now asking Aram, will Unsung Voices open their age category up to, <laughs> to 40? I don't, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe 10 years down the road, um, I will join the ranks and make a film. But I think at this point now, it's it's that time of the episode where we move to the trivia portion. Are you all ready for some trivia? No. Sure. <laughs> no. Is it is it more questions about carbs? Oh, oh, you, oh just just No, no. Okay. Are you all ready for the first question? What current real Asian staff members have acted in Unsung Voices films? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Tony. Tony. Damn, all right. Didn't see that coming. Oh, you got beat it, man. <laughs> Is Aram in acting as a uh, um, a boss in the in the music record? I forgot what film was that, but it was uh, it was one of them, and then he had to act in next to a garbage can, a garbage dumpster, not garbage can dumpster, in McDonald's. Wow, that that is good. What year was this in? Uh, that, that's that's 2013 and so oh you God, get okay. you get half a point tony because oh. there's another half of this MR? tony was also in at least one film I'm trying but he's to not a staff member so yes yes i see i will i will withdraw <laughs> any anyone any other takers Ange, althea current staff members at I mean, real Asian. Jen, you can't really answer this. <laughs> so, yeah, that was. Well, if no one can answer, then I will explain okay. the answer. Okay. Oh, yes. You, you, right. Okay. Okay. All right. Other other current staff member revealed to be Christine, who starred in my film. Oh, Whoa. yes. What would constitute a perfect day for you? That's easy. I'd have the day off work for sure. Meet up with some friends, maybe go to the island. We'd go to a concert, a Drake concert. Christine Vu, our marketing manager at uh, at Relation, and uh, and and Tony, I played a record producer um, in Shazabe's uh, hip hop epic. Oh um, and uh, that sounds right bad. up your alley. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I I I feel bad for ad libbing a little bit too much than I should. Have. But, uh, but I remember one of my lines though. I said I said uh, what did I say? Hey, I seen your internet video. Hella hits, dude. (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna have nightmares about that. (laughs) Hella hits, dude. Would you recommend that everyone has to act once in their life, just like they have to make a short film? Oh, definitely. 
Maj, have you done some acting before? Oh yeah, it was the worst. <laughs> like I can't act for shit. Like I, I think I had made like three short films before doing unsung voices, and I acted like the main role in all of them. And like I was so bad. It was different reasons, but one of them was just like, oh yeah, like I know what I want. Like I'm a perfectionist, and like. You know, like I, I didn't know how to like direct actors. Anyways, I had and still have no clue how to act. And it's just you know, as as we said before, like it's good to just do the thing so that you know that you'll never do it again. Because then you know, like you just know because you've done it. Like you've put your body in front of the camera and like <laughs> sacrificed yourself. But I do recommend everybody act like once in their life. On lives. that note, <laughs> I guess uh, speaking of actor director hyphenates. Oh, I'm going to ask this one. Okay, so uh, Simu Liu is uh, one of the alumni of the program, Simu Liu of Shang-Chi and the however many rings. Um, I believe it's 15 rings. Okay, I don't remember. Uh, but he, it's 20 now. He, he um, directed a film in Unsung Voices 2013 called Open Gym, where he played several roles, uh, several shirtless roles, by the way. But when you play multiple roles, you need a body double. So who played Simu Liu's body double in Open Gym? <laughs> Nobody knows this no one? Idea. No idea. Althea. Was it him? <laughs> it was all him. No, no. No, because... No, he had a body double because he had to have like the when it, when the camera's on him, he needed like somebody as his. Okay. Shoulder. Oh, oh, okay. Double hand okay. raise. Okay, double hand. There we go. I think it was Tony. You're right. Yes. That is correct. <laughs> okay. So Tony, wait, did you have did you, did you have to be shirtless, Tony? Oh, I got hit the gym right before the shoot. This guy. <laughs> oh, they were, that, that was definitely not on my contract when I signed up for the teaching role. The things we do for our that was also That was also Tony's uh, last summer before babies, uh, before uh, dad bod, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, which I can uh, attest to. So uh, a follow-up question to this one is, who played Simu Liu's body double and always mentions it in our group chat? Is it, to is it Tony again? <laughs> yes, it's Tony. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Well, hey, you gotta have some claim to fame, right? Yeah, yeah. In me and Tony's group chat, to be like, "Yo, uh, I was uh, Simu Liu's uh, body double." <laughs> Are you credited on IMDb, Tony? Twenty-six pack featuring. He can hire me back. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's going to LA. Hey guys, round two is about to start. Okay. Ah shit! All right. Remember what I told you. Keep your head up. Okay? Okay, come on. Come on, let's go. Let's go. All right, now for the final, the final question. So wait, wait, let's, let's, oh. get, let's get the score. So we have, oh. um, so Althea has one, Amar has one for that follow-up question, and Tony, <laughs> Tony has one. It, and was it one or does half? Jen have one? Well, I, no, I can't the, the first question, yeah, you don't know the answer. <laughs> yeah, you already knew that. Okay, so, but Tony gets one point for the first question, but he didn't okay. get two, so. So we have a three-way tie. And I think this one, we can rattle off multiple answers. So this is a chance to get multiple points. Yes. I don't even think we know the, the limit of possibilities. 
where have unsung voices played beyond real Asian? Or where have where have these films gone after real Asian? Tell me. Air Canada en route. That's right. Okay. In the skies. Okay. Every country been... on the planet, basically. Then. Dang. <laughs> 35,000 feet. We're looking for specific. Wasn't there some kind of like um, film exchange program with the Taiwanese Film Festival or something like that oh, at some point? Good one. Okay. Yeah. Ding. Oh, Ange. Um, Fascination Asian in Winnipeg took all of our Ding. films last year. Correct. What was the most recent one? for a bonus two points. Oh, Althea. I'm probably going to get this wrong, even though I know my film is there. <laughs> um, Is it Indonesia? Malaysia? Yes. 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 Indonesia, not Malaysia. Okay, Indonesia. My <laughs> final answer. Two points. Well, thank you for participating in Unsung Voices Trivia. We're going to ask one last question, and we're going to go around. I guess like wrapping things up, we're curious to know who are you now? <laughs> what are you doing now? Just to kind of, uh, yeah, see where you are at your journey at this point. So maybe we can start with Althea. No, don't start with me. <laughs> okay. How about, okay, fine. How about I start with Tony? Uh, still almost the same as when I started on some, except I have... Um, two beautiful daughter right now one is eight and one is five and uh i have a lot more story to write because you know they fill my life a lot more you know i i think you know hopefully that i can use the same skill set that i learned from unsung voices to translate that to uh, my teaching and that's been a success throughout all this year and like i tell uh, like i told Aram before when i uh, sometimes I lost uh, interest in certain things, and I would think back about all these memories that I had in, with unsung voices being on set, and those would turn into energy to teach actually my student the next morning kind of thing. So, yeah, so basically that's where I'm at right now, and I'm working with Aram a lot more, and I was, and I'm making other films, and uh, it's been great. Amar, it's your turn. So I'm primarily a film programmer these days. I work at the Canadian Film Fest, which is in Toronto. I'm programming European and Asian features for the Victoria Film Festival in British Columbia. And uh, I also work in the programming departments at TIFF and South by Southwest. I teach the occasional workshop here and there. I run a podcast an inconsistent podcast with a friend of mine called the three core cinema club where we you know every edition we put together three films and we talk about them in relation to each other it's kind of like a programming exercise in and of itself and still doing filmmaking stuff too you know i made a couple of small things after unsung and i'm continuing to work on some stuff next so yeah like my life is almost scarily about film uh to, to a scary degree um and that's great. So yeah, who wants to go next? It's uh, again interesting how we were talking about how important it is just to like make a film and you might never really make one again. And so I, I was like very, very intense about like filmmaking before going into Unsung and then I did Unsung and then I kind of like um, laid off of it for a while and 
now these days like I'm really focusing a lot on like uh, my poetry practice actually um and so I was able to like get my first ever like poetry residency like this summer and um get like exhibitions coming up uh in Quebec and so um yeah that's really been amazing and I think that doing unsung kind of helped me reorient myself in the sense that I was like oh I think that maybe um what I want to say is not like I'm not the best at translating it through film but then through poetry I, I really feel like I can get closer to what it is that I'm trying to ex express and so that's what I've been doing and I've been lucky enough to um get some recognition for that so that's what I'm doing um I will go now <laughs> <laughs> Um, I feel like similar to Anj, after Real Asian, I did some more short films, but I feel like my heart is really in like illustration and comics. So that's sort of where my trajectory of art practice has been and where it continues to be. And my art practice is very community based, <laughs> just from like what I've been telling is very consistent. And also continuing to explore this idea of what Filipino is. And really taking that in like a decolonial lens and seeing the world in a very, in a more spiritual and more grounded way, using that kind of Filipino identity or whatever you want to call it to continue to create stories through comics. And then just going where it takes me. And it's it's been great. <laughs> I get to travel through my art and that's been nice. And also rest which is what I told everyone before is like pandemic is a time for rest for me. And I'm really taking advantage of that. Jen. I don't know why this question makes me nervous. because I feel like I'm trying to figure out the trajectory of my life, but I mean, right after Unsung Voices, I was lucky to get to work at Charles Street Video as a summer student. It was through that program that I got introduced to like a, an artist run center, like Charles Street Video. And um, I did a program with the Doc Institute And then I made a, another short film with another festival called the Festival of Recorded Movement in Vancouver. It was about Tai Chi communities. But yeah, and now I'm working at Real Asian as the coordinator for Unsung Voices and producing Backstory Podcast and trying to finish my uh, master's in anthropology. So still, still thinking about religion, I guess, and the afterlife, but uh, in an academic sense. Well, it was so great to see all of your faces and hear of you know, your experiences about Unsung Voices. It's a program that I think is close to a lot of our hearts and the hearts of, you know, the your colleagues that you had in your programs too, which, you know, we've had over 60 participants in this program. So, you know, we couldn't have them all, but we're really happy to have you here. So we hope to see you at the festival. This is uh, Unsung Voices Edition 10, and we're just looking forward to another 10 years of it at least. And so just want to thank you for joining us on Backstory Podcast. Thank you Thanks for, having for having us. Thank you. Thanks thank for you. having yes. us. It's so nice to see everybody. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much, everyone. Thank you. That was a fun, like, blast in the past with a like, retrospective mm -hmm. through the years, reminiscing. It's true. There's so many films that I haven't seen yet, and I feel like I'm missing out. <laughs> Tony, like now that Shang Chi like came out, do you like plug to everybody that like you is body double like just more often? Because I feel like if that was the case for me, I would totally do that. I don't know. I don't know where that comes from. I'm actually trying to hide that. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Backstory Podcast, celebrating 10 years of Unsung Voices. We also ask Unsung Voices alumni to send us their favorite memories, so stick around and listen to those after this quick message. Backstory Podcast is presented by the Toronto Real Asian International Film Festival. It's written and hosted by me, Aram Collier, and Kelly Lloyd, and produced and edited by Jennifer Sue. For more information about the show and the festival, please visit us at our website, realasian.com. And we love hearing from you, so you can write to us at backstory at realasian.com. My name is Arthur Young, and I oversaw the inaugural edition of Unsung Voices in 2012. I was also one of its producers with uh, Aaron Collier and Tony Lau. I was also invited the next year to score some of the second cohort's films in 2013. For Unsung Voices 1 in 2012, I remember Althea Bamas's lead, Han Han, for her film Suman Ladies. Han Han is such a great performer and noted how she's become such a formidable and wonderful force uh, with her Han Han musical endeavor. Um, and that was really clear all the way uh, back then that, you know, this is really someone to watch out for. Remember how she'd peel the suman and dip it on a plate of white sugar? Sometimes when Lola's not looking, the little girl would treat herself to something extra rotating her suman so that all parts are covered. Speaking of emerging young talent uh, that have gone on to wonderful things, uh, in 2013, Simu Liu um, was uh, a young, bright guy, um, and it was clear that he already had a superpower. Um, out of his cohort, he was probably one of the most ripped and jacked uh, members from that group that year. Um, and in my time working with him on his short open gym, um, it seemed clear that he maintained that physique on what I can best describe as a subsistence diet of Subway sandwiches. So um, those are my two recollections. Uh, on those wonderful times with unsung voices. End of message. To delete this message, press 7. My name is Fridal Lauren Capistrano. I was in the inaugural Unsung Voices in 2012. My film was called Cycle, and it was an ode to my late grandfather, Lolo Joe, who loved bicycles. It was my musically driven memory of what it felt like to lose him to lung cancer. Just about. Cool. Thanks, kiddo. Yeah, no problem, Mate. Surprise little spike is even lasting you this long. I mean, you break everything. I have so many amazing and profound memories. I'll always remember how dedicated we were as this newly formed team, especially on the one day Tony Lau and Thela, another unsung voices filmmaker, had to film footage of me biking through Toronto where I used to live, and by the University of Toronto. Thela held our fairly large video camera out the car window while Tony drove, absolutely worried that he'd hit me or lose Thela, bless him. I think we did almost nine kilometers doing circles around different blocks. 
I would stop to change wardrobe at the side of the road or behind the car, and we would keep going. I learned so much about lighting and angles from Tony. He was so quick to problem solve and always so positive. We did so many makeshift things to get the shots we wanted, and it taught me how resilient you have to be, how patient, and ultimately how strongly you have to believe in your vision. It speaks through you, and it's what makes the work happen. Good times. (laughs) I very rarely want to go back in time, but it definitely inspired me to want to continue and film And now I work in Los Angeles, so I'm super grateful. But I would 100% live all these happy memories from my Unsung Voices team again. End of message. To delete this message, press 7. Hi, my name is Betty. I was an Unsung Voices program participant in 2013. Uh, Through the program, I made a short film called Girlfriends. Uh, It is about two women having an encounter in a cafe as they uncover how their relationship intertwine and learn about each other. Listen, Alice. I like talking with you. Can't even remember the last time I had a real conversation with anyone. That summer, we had a lot of fun making films together. The fun memory I would share here is that I remember we had to be crew for each other's films and for actors, we just often ask for ask our friends and family to be actors. For the film that I was the DP on, I remember that one of the ending shots of the film, the director, um, a fellow peer in the program, really wanted the actor to like cry and have one tear drop on his face which was really hard to pull off even for a professional actor. Uh, And I remember framing that shot and it was at the end of the day, everybody was tired and we were all praying to whatever movie God is out there that that would happen. And lo and behold, the actor for some reason was able to pull off that shot with one teardrop on his face at the end of the day. I remember how happy we were on set capturing that shot at the end of the day and wrapping successfully. There are so many moments like that on Unsung, and I will forever look back to that summer with so much fondness and a smile on my face. End of message. To delete this message, press 7. My name is Carla Villanueva Dannen, and I was part of Unsung Voices in 2018, where I completed my film called Jezebel, a short about a young woman named Mal living her best life over the summer, swiping right on all the cute boys in the sixth. Dating in the city is exhausting. Swipe left, swipe right, go for coffee, hang out at a dog park, hit it off, then watch the spark fizzle out. It was such a joy to create something silly and comedic in this program among Filipinas, featuring Filipinas, um, and proving that Filipinas can really do anything. And that leads me to a memory I have for the film where I was the DP and I'm pretty short. So I was having quite a bit of trouble trying to hit all the angles for the shots the director wanted. Um, So there was a lot of standing on boxes and stools and whatever we could get our hands on. And at one point we had a shot outdoors and I didn't have anything to stand on. So our program coordinator, Joe, 
went and grabbed his spare tire out of his trunk and brought it out so I could actually see the shots we were trying to capture. So shout out to Joe for helping out this wannabe five-foot DP. End of message. To delete this message, press 7. Hello there, my name is Lena, and I was in Unsung Voices 7 back in 2018. My film was called Burnt Out, and it was about mother-daughter relationship in an immigrant family, and the language barrier, cultural barrier, and generational barrier between the mother and the daughter, and the misunderstandings in between. Problem. How are you celebrating? Probably nothing. Again. Becoming a year wiser should be something to celebrate, shouldn't it? Onsen Voices quite literally changed the trajectory of my education and my career now. I was in business school, not really enjoying what I was learning until I took a semester off to really think about what I wanted to do. And it was during this time in the summer that I discovered Unsung Voices. And I always remember the sense of community that Real Asian helped me to feel. It's something that I've never felt too deeply before, especially as a business student where everyone is a lot more individualistic versus film is very collective. And I really really appreciate tony who is my mentor and one of the founders of unsung voices for all of his dedication and commitment he always just gave us his all seeing how genuine tony is really made me promise myself and vow to myself that when i grow up i want to be like tony tony lao because he was just always so helpful and always lended a helping hand to whatever our needs may be whether that's driving an hour and a half total to drop a cast member home so they're home safe or making sure like everyone's well fed and now that i'm working in the film industry and i've completely changed trajectory of my education i've transferred into film school and i'm currently working a lot actually in the film industry uh, it's someone that i want to be i want to be a very caring and i want to give mentorship whenever i am able to and i hope to like always foster an inclusive environment on my film set end of message to delete this message press seven hi there my name is sahar i was a part of unsung voices number eight lucky number eight and i got the opportunity to make a short documentary about my dad and his various uh, professions as being a driving instructor, a taxi driver, and uh, delivering pizza. But lots of remembrance in this building, eh? Like what? What do you remember? Wow. Living here, working here for how long, man? How many years? Six years. Mm -hmm. I miss this building. I remember it was a time of like I know, I know. Business. The film was called Car, and I had the opportunity to be a part of many other short films. It was the first time being on set, really engaging with the dynamic energy and environment, 
of uh, being on a hectic set. Lots of great memories, um, eating good food. And for me, I think the most valuable part of being part of Unsung was the festival itself, being able to screen my first film at TIFF, The Bell Light Box, being able to attend so many different films um, and debrief, uh, talk with other young people about our experiences at the festival, as well as being part of the Shorts Committee in the next year. So I say thank you and happy birthday, happy 10th birthday to Unsung Voices. Congrats. End of message. To delete this message, press 7. Hi, my name is James Legaspi. I am part of 2021's Unsung Voices 10. My film is called Watering, and it is a reflection on the passing of my childhood dog and how his passing continuously informs how I take up space, um, especially concerned with familial relationships. I'm just finishing up my film, actually, so as for a behind-the-scenes memory, uh, I think I may hold the record for latest turned-in film. Uh, Aside from that, the the Daft Punk screening continues to be uh, a heartwarming memory for me. Harris actually drove me home from the screening. Uh, so for myself, I I feel like I don't want to let Harris down in particular, as uh, that would be a waste of gas money. Uh, and there's all there's also a bit of that torch passing involved there. But uh, yeah, gas in Brampton is expensive. End of message. To delete this message, press 7. Your call has been forwarded to an automatic voice message system. At the end of your message, press 1.